0: Hello out there to Twitter. Jake. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Jake. Hi. What was that music that was playing when we first opened this up?
1: I have no idea, actually. <laughs> it just <laughs> was, great. you know, casually just bouncing along and I thought it was pretty good. So
0: I I mean it's 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 some elevator music, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> well, welcome to the writer's block. I'm so glad to be here. So
1: excited for this first episode and what we're going to be talking about tonight.
0: So so what are we going to be talking about tonight? What's what's what are we doing here? What's the purpose? Why are we hosting this writer space for everyone? The
1: biggest thing is is especially when you're starting out and even when you're a seasoned author, it's nice to have other writers that you can bounce ideas off of somebody to help you fix plot holes or talk about a character and how to make them a little bit more interesting
2: hello yes hello matthew how are you yeah good sorry to interrupt your conversation but just letting you know my mic works
1: perfect sounds good perfect
2: yeah how are you guys doing doing great so uh you live in chicago
0: who are you talking to
2: uh you jake
1: so, I'm Jake, and our biggest thing is, is that we uh, are living in different parts of the U.S., so I live in Utah,
2: yep, and I live in Nebraska, oh, okay, I was so. Up at the spot from uh, the the time zone, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, well. yeah, my, my closest city is, is,
0: Largest city, I should say, uh, is Chicago. So it's it's a few hours drive from there, but pretty
2: close. Uh, Okay, Uh, compared to uh, driving to Melbourne, yes, it is a lot closer. (laughs) Where where are you at? Uh, I'm in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Okay. Yes. Oh well, that makes sense. Yes. Uh, Thanks for having me. Go ahead, Matthew. Oh, just uh, thanks for having me. Yes. yeah, and, he, and if
0: anybody has, like, everyone's here to talk, this is for a writer's critique group. So if you have something you want to talk about, Jake and I are just kind of leading the charge. And if you're struggling with scenes or what have you, please let us know. We'll talk about it. I think we're shooting for every Wednesday about 7 p.m. my time. Um, I don't know what time that is for everybody else.
2: I think, Jake, you're an hour behind me, correct? Yep. So it's currently 7 o'clock in your time, 7 p.m.? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. What time are you, well, time are you regular, at? Uh, well, I probably won't be a regular contributor just because um, it's uh, 12 on a, a Thursday in my time. So I'll be at work next week. But uh, great to have this conversation.
1: Absolutely. And we're recording all of these episodes so that people can listen in. And even if they miss the episode, at least they'll be able to kind of get some of the information. And uh, hopefully it helps out.
2: Yeah. Well. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, so sort of a, a sort of live, um, live group chat.
1: Absolutely. Um, I'd like to say hi to my friend Liam. He just uh, popped on a minute ago. Liam's awesome. He's uh, in another critique group with me, another writers group. Um, Matthew, before we get started, how about you tell us a little bit about your writing journey so far?
2: Yeah. So it's a uh... A relatively short one in a, in a way. So for years, my main experience was academic writing because I had tried to be a career curator originally. Uh, I discovered, well, I sort of admitted to myself probably about five years ago that uh, technically I always wanted to be a, a fiction writer. And so I've begun probably about three years ago in earnest, uh, like maybe a year before COVID, uh, my first novel. Although I've, like many, I've, find myself uh because of um ideas and also various competitions that come up and the like i'm working on about four projects at the moment including a screenplay Uh, oh wow (laughs) that's a lot (laughs) and i have a seventh month old too and twins on the way so it adds to the pressure (laughs) oh that's an understatement
1: kids are so much fun but that uh does eat into the writing
2: time that's for sure uh yes uh even during Christmas holidays, uh, you find yourself struggling for time. Absolutely. Um,
1: Matthew, what are the genres that you have as far as books go? Because I didn't realize you had so many projects. That's awesome.
2: Well, you sort of get um, one idea and then you want to um, give it life as well. Uh, Yeah, so predominantly I work in uh, or aspire to work in uh, crime fiction. Uh, Like I grew up reading agatha christie and those sorts of uh, names and even uh the likes of roald dahl uh, a lot of absolutely uh, uh, about children's children's books that we know him for so they're probably two of my great idols and i i've always enjoyed the uh the sort of the crossword stimulation i guess you could say of that sort of work
1: very nice yeah. Um, What is the project that you are most excited about right now?
2: Uh, Well, uh, what I'm mainly working on is uh, about uh, someone who has an obsessive interest in a film star. And I got the idea because I found out that uh, when you see a psychiatrist psychiatrist or a psychologist, they're legally obligated to uh, write down uh, at least a summary of what you're saying as you go along in the session. And it occurred to me uh, the old joke about doctor's handwriting and imagining if uh, a doctor's notes got into the wrong hands and somebody misinterpreted them. So I thought, okay, imagine if somebody's having, who has an obsessive interest in an actor, if they uh, uh, suddenly have uh, jealous outbursts in the way that uh, uh, someone had for Jane Fonda decades back, then imagine if... uh, what they were fantasizing about suddenly came true, but to their knowledge, they were like word for word what they were planning on. But uh, it, it isn't actually uh, perpetrated by them. How is it happening?
1: That is really, really interesting. Yeah, I really, I, like I that.
0: really
2: love that idea. That's really cool. Instead, trying to uh, let the imagination go along and uh, see if it, uh, you know, some of the seeds I plant to uh, grow.
1: Awesome. Well, Matthew, Brandon and I both kind of have a heads up about why you're here on the Writer's Block show. Um, Can you give our listening audience, especially those that are not going to be here right now, but are going to listen to the recording, a little bit of a heads up as far as what you came on here to talk about?
2: Yeah, well, uh, obviously, you seem to be appealing to novices and... Uh, or at least part of that audience. And so I figured the main thing I could contribute is uh, my issues with, first of all, a discipline with uh, full-time work, but also uh, trying to make uh, pages actually sound like literature and not so much as a, uh, a, a middle school grade um, uh, project, as I guess you'd say, where it's uh, more about meeting the criteria and, you sort of, and it doesn't have the, the full life uh, from the page yet.
1: Absolutely. Voice um, is a really hard thing, and it's something that is a little difficult for a lot of people to teach. Um, voice on the page is really boils down to the character, and the author's voice as well adds to that. Um, so as much as that can't be taught, it can also be something that um, you can pick up, especially while you're... Re- Reading classics while you're reading any novel that has its own distinct voice, um, and we'll jump back. What do you say? Cl-
2: Go ahead. Sorry, but when you say classics, are you referring to uh, age, or can um, could? Well, I know. I assume you don't just mean that, but like, can one of the greats be like you say within the last ten or twenty years?
1: I would say that any great literature that has withstood the test of time outside of the fact that it is great because it was novel when it first came out. I want books that are written well, that have amazing voice, that where the characters have a lot of agency. Um, that can be books that were written 100 years ago, or that can be books that were written in the last 10 or five, or even just this last year. The big thing is, is as a writer, to, uh, to go ask your librarians, ask other writers, really get kind of a feel, and especially reading in the genre um, and age group that you want to write for, um, but really get a feel for what is a really high quality work in that genre right
0: now. See, OK. Jake, I I appreciate your response. I think it's a great answer. I almost would beg to differ on that. I and I I respect your opinion. I think it is very valid. I personally tend to go a different route. Um, Let's hear it, Brandon. Well, no, I. I mean, I. Can I make popcorn? (laughs) (laughs) I base my characters. I mean, we all have. We base our characters off people that we know. But then I also when I watch TV shows or movies or what have you, uh, there's characters I'm like, I really like how that character's tone of voice or how they're saying words, certain things. So when I go back and I reread them, I try to say say them in that character's voice and tone. And I think that helps me develop those distinctive tones and characteristics and words, dialogue, that that character would need. But I think... That works for me. That's again, I, it's not going to be the same for everybody. I think it's harder. I think it's harder with the older classics because you think of Frankenstein, and we all have this image of how Frankenstein's supposed to look and sound in that story. Or there's certain characters that, yes, they withstood the test of time and they do have great dialogue, but then it, it, it just makes it a little bit more difficult for me to define that distinctive character voice that i'm looking for in a particular story
2: and some sense. parts and some parts really go in and out of fashion like i've read a lot of uh, or heard a lot of uh, audio books of dickens lately and uh, you almost feel like his books would be just as effective to modern audiences with about a third less content because he has all his great characters but then every uh, two chapters or he goes into a sort of in-depth moral description, which um, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to read over three times. And, like, I'm sure there's a lot more to be said about those passages, um, especially if you ask an expert. But it's uh, just an example of how I I think, like, certain parts don't uh, reach the audience the same way.
1: I love, honestly, Matthew, that you brought up Dickens because I have such a hard time... Reading his work because he goes into these huge monologues and uh, descriptions and stuff, and they're out of fashion for today's writing. But well, what I will say, yeah, is, that's
2: why. I, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just, I just uh, like that's why I, for Dickens, I've been hearing a lot of audio books of him because there's some quite good quality ones out by the likes of Hugh Grant and those sorts of people, and it helps to give life to the to the words. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't um, always uh, help uh, with some of those uh, sort of uh, internal monologues where, or uh, internal narrations we're talking about, but, yeah, it's a, a good boost to the understanding.
1: Absolutely. Um, I do like that Dickens tells a good story, though. Um, there's, there's a great sense of time and place and character in there. Like you said, the characters are wonderful um But that's one where I would say, you know what, maybe Dickens isn't really your style, and maybe it's not helping you write at this time period.
2: Yeah, well, I did um, a few years ago a, a drama class, and something that always reminded me of um, how to approach what people are doing and how they talk is that uh, everybody always has. Nobody's ever doing an external activity for the sake of it. They always have things going on the back of their mind, and they have things they want, or are thinking ahead, or in the past. Uh, but also, like even the worst things that people do, like uh, in fiction, like in, as in reality, nobody ever think nobody ever considers what they're doing is completely unjustified. Even the most heinous act, act the uh, person doing it will usually have a defence.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matthew, another thing that you pointed out, and then we're just going to switch gears here really quick, um, and I think this is something that Brandon can absolutely speak to way better than I can, and that's making sure that you get in writing time around a full-time job, and you have a child, and you have twins on the way, which is a huge, huge undertaking um, to have that many children that young because they require so much care but adding on top of that the the uh, stress of a standard job and trying to spend time with your family it can really cut into the writing time but I think Brandon might have some suggestions about what you can do to find that time but also to make it a priority
2: Yes, I feel like a walking cliche
0: (laughs) I mean I can't I mean, bless you for having that many children that young and two more on the way. But like, that's I I can't testify to that. I I can barely take care of my plants, let alone another human being. So bless you. Um, I, I would say when it, comes if it makes to, you feel better, my plants aren't that good either. <laughs> 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 oh, I mean, mine are, mine are holding on for dear life at this point, and I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta water you. Um. I would say when it comes to obviously make your family a priority, I don't think anybody would say not to do that, but I think it's learning to pace yourself and yes, you want to work on your writing, but knowing, okay, if I only write one page a day, then I'm writing one page a day. If I've only cleaned up one page a day or what have you, whatever goal that is for you, I think that works. And I don't. When it comes to me, I don't look at numbers for how many words I've written, and I don't like that. That's not. That's not how it works for me. I like measurable stuff. I work in academia, so I like those measurable. My sympathies. Results. Um, Do what? My my sympathies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a task. Let me tell you, and it's medical academia too, so it's even worse. Um, I think just pulling back on what your expectations are and not necessarily lowering the bar, but readjusting that to what is your lifestyle and where your life is at and making those expectations for yourself and making that time for you because as a parent, it is perfectly fine to have you time with children. There's nothing wrong with that. And I don't like parents that don't think that that's okay. Like it is perfectly fine. And That's coming from somebody who doesn't have any children, so take that with a grain of salt. But I think just readjusting what you define as your quote unquote measurable success for the day when it comes to your writing. Like I said, if it's just one page, it's just one page. It's one less page you have to worry about or one page you've gotten on paper. And I think having that steady pace actually helps out a lot because I know, and Jake and I have talked a lot about this where I that's what I shoot for. I shoot for when I'm writing. I'm writing two novellas right now, and I say, I'm going to write one page a day. That's it. I'm going to write one page a day in each of them, and then I'm working on two of them at the same time. And one of them's pushing a hundred pages right now, and I think it's it's sitting pretty nice where it's at. I mean, but Jake, what do you what do you think? You've got kids, so I don't. Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> um, I appreciate what you're saying.
1: Uh, for me at least, between uh, running our daughter around and uh, at this point, uh, I've taken on a part-time job that I'm doing right now for a family member, and it's just ridiculous and exhausting, is what I will say. Um, I really have been bad about writing this last little while. I have probably haven't sat down and actually wrote at the computer for probably about a month. But, that being said, I've had time to kind of take a breather and read. And reading is all part of the game. It's putting in time in a different way. Um, It's a reminder of
2: why you started in the first place. Absolutely.
1: And as I'm reading, I'm checking for market trends and other things um, for the publishing market here in the U.S., Um, Brandon and I are a little bit different in that way Brandon is this amazing indie author he's already published two books and I'm still in the query trenches trying to find an agent Um, (laughs) which I I refuse
0: to do he's trying to get me to look for an agent I'm like no I don't even want to go down that route because it would just be a nightmare for me
2: (laughs) yeah well the main thing I tell myself is actually has some finished projects because otherwise it doesn't matter what path you go on. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um, Matthew, can I ask what does
2: your writing schedule or lack thereof look like right now? Well, uh, my challenge, one of them is that I tend to work best early in the morning. Now, I had to change over jobs about six months ago. And so currently I'm doing a manual labor job, which involves me having to leave the house at about six in the morning. So obviously that's throwing um, the schedule quite a bit to the wind because obviously with a child, my evening is pretty full with feedings and, and, every, and dishes and everything. So I, when I can muster the energy, I at the moment I try and put out a page in the evening. But uh, also part of my long term writing effort, I suppose, is uh, trying to move to a job with more standard nine to five hours, so it means I can go back to my uh, early morning routine, which I tend to thrive best in. You actually uh, brought up an important point about earlier about computers. Like, can you go straight to the computer, or do you need to have, uh, for example, a um, a handwritten draft to begin with? So for me, at least, um,
1: and I'll let Brandon answer after I'm done, but for me, I wrote my very first um, draft of the first book that I wanted to write, and I wrote it in a notebook, and I was really excited for it. And then I realized that now I had to put it on the computer so I could edit it more uh, easily. And since then, I've kind of really gotten away from handwriting anything um, I really like the flexibility that I have on the computer. If I'm not near a computer, even if I'm at you know a doctor's appointment or something and I'm sitting in the waiting room, I love to pull up the notes app on my phone and jot down ideas, jot down titles. Um, and I've even written you know sections of a book like that. Um, it becomes really kind of second nature to do that every chance you have a spare minute to sit down because most of us at least me uh have you know everybody has their phone on them all the time so i actually love the fact that i can take something put it in notes it might not have all of the right formatting or anything but i can take that and email it to myself and put it on the computer and half the work is already done
2: yeah, I'm kind of partway there. I have an app in my Google Docs where where I all my story ideas. I sort of um throw them in as I go along, and yeah, I do appreciate being able to cut out the stage of uh, moving the handwriting into the computer. Trouble is, is that uh, I find my mind, I I find I don't have writer's block when I write by hand, but when I try writing raw material directly into the computer, I do.
1: Do you think that that is part of your process and you might want to leave it as it is or tweak it a little bit? Or do you feel like that is just what needs to happen for you to be able to write?
2: At the moment, I feel like if it an inefficient system is better than no system. Uh, I will hands like, down
1: agree with that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, and like, I do remind myself that uh, people have used that same process for centuries. They w- worked with a quill pen. So uh, so I think, why, why should I be better than... Why, why am I better than them? Why can't I handle handwriting? Uh, but, of course, you do want to try and maximize your time.
1: Absolutely. Do you carry a notebook around with
2: you? Some, sometimes. the uh, Like, I carry around my phone with me, and so I tend to put down a lot of raw ideas into it. And I often have carried a notebook at work. Uh, But yeah, I've sort of started doing that less. I've tried to devote my lunch breaks to reading and um, uh, so I don't have as many chaotic notes flying around that I have to put together afterwards. Uh, uh, So yeah, I'm trying to do actual work, confining that to my computer. But yeah, it is a painful process.
1: No, it can be absolutely... Um, I was also going to say, you actually brought up an excellent point. Um, I've worked uh, a lot with uh, coaching, uh, gymnastics, and uh, a bunch of other sports. And a big thing is is that you can put in the time and the effort in other areas, and it will benefit you in the long run in the direction that you want to take. I think the fact that you are taking your lunches and reading or listening to books Um, to audiobooks is absolutely awesome in fact i know that brandon does the same thing Uh, it's a way for him to be driving or sitting at his desk and getting some reading time in which is so important as writers um the other thing is is like brandon mentioned before um not just reading but and i know this is going to sound funny but watching television shows where you have a real connection to the characters, watching movies where you are really invested in the plot, and thinking to yourself, "Well, how did they do that, and how can I apply that to my writing?"
2: Yeah, well, I, yeah, well, I certainly have um, something of an archaeologist, archaeology mind in that regards. I sort of try and peel back the layer, like when I think because I do a classic film podcast, and uh, I'm always thinking about one film. Uh, Uh, a place in the sun and like it's been a year since i've seen it and for some reason i still keep thinking about the uh, protagonist and his final demise even though he technically half tried to kill somebody i still feel myself empathizing with him a year later
1: why do you think that is for that character i mean obviously they have some some faults which is something that personalizes them for the watcher or the reader What in that character do you feel is something that really grips you and says, hey, pay attention to this?
2: Well, part of it is that uh, he had the system unfairly work against him for decades because that story was partly based on reality. Uh, It was uh, back in a time when parents weren't obligated to send their kids to school and his parents were sort of born again missionaries and they thought their time with him was spent better making him uh preach on the street rather than giving him an education that might uh, allow him to get uh uh, anything more than factory work decades later and he also forms a and so he is gradually on on the rise trying to make it uh, sort of um almost feeling um uh uh, the uh, American dream, because I think it was based on the book, the American tragedy. Uh, but uh, uh, he also made the mistake of uh, getting somebody pregnant on the way and it starts to unravel. So it's, I, I feel, well, I can't say empathetic because like I haven't gone through the same things word by word, but it's a, uh, it pushes the right buttons.
1: I think that's a great way to put it. It pushes the right buttons. It's hitting those notes that kind of resonate with um, all of the readers or all of the watchers because it's something that in some way, shape, or form they can relate to.
2: I Thanks. I'm glad I gave you something comprehensible. <laughs>
1: no, you, you said it beautifully. Thank you. Um, Matthew, what is... We've talked kind of about how to maximize that time. And I think you're doing a marvelous job of that. Uh, Again, listening to audio books on your lunch, reading. Um, You also have said that you try to write a page when you're not exhausted. Sometimes as living beings who have to, you know, work to survive. And there's family obligations and, everything else in between there's this uh I think stigma might be the right word that uh you know that you have to write every day or you have to write a certain amount or you have to there's no have to's um I think your writing journey is your writing journey if you decide to implement some things and And write every day, great. If you can write one page a week, great. Um,
0: Brownon, what are your thoughts on that? It's hard to put, you know, like a blanket statement across the board. I think that's where we as writers, we see the success of other writers. Just as in any industry, we see those. Like Stephen King, he can knock out a book in, what, four months? And he has a a best-selling novel? he's also got years of experience and that's his full-time job. We have to give ourselves a break
2: on that. Uh, I want and... to um, uh, can we ask a question about him later when we finish this discussion, just uh, putting it out there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think we just need to give ourselves a break. Like I, I work two. I work a full-time job and a part-time job and it's hard. It is hard to find time to write when I can. And I know Jake, I, Matthew, I'm like you. I'm an early morning person, and I, I'm i up in the morning. I'm, I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm writing, and I'm trying to get some stuff done before we go into work. Um, so I think we just need to what, – what we can achieve is what we can achieve, and we shouldn't hold ourselves – we can hold ourselves to a higher standard, but if we don't make it, don't downgrade ourselves and don't downgrade our own successes. I wrote a page today. Be proud of that, that. You should be very happy about that. And there's a lot of authors that don't get a
2: page a day. so It's like exercise. You kind of have to think of consistency more than one great session. Exactly. Uh, not that I can be an authority on exercise.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat. Brandon, on the other hand, goes to the gym faithfully every single day. And he kind of makes me so sick because I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you get it all done? Um, and Brandon's just that kind of person.
0: I I just I don't have kids, so I do what I want to do. Like you both are lucky, and you have children, so
2: it's the burden you bear. <laughs> you're lucky to you're lucky to just a different kind of luck. That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> Matthew, you had said you wanted to ask a question about Stephen King or make a comment. Let's go ahead and jump into that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I. There's a comment he made about uh, uh, an early ideas process, which he's quite vocal on, and that's about writing down ideas, and in his mind, it's that's a good way to record bad ideas. And to an extent, I agree, and obviously he's had a... We know he had as a harder start as anyone, like he had to work around being a parent and a, and a teacher. But I'm just thinking... Uh, couldn't the idea of that not writing down ideas because it's only a recording bad ideas? Uh, I just feel like it's one thing when you're a full time writer and you're able to devote a consistent effort each day and you're sort of always in the zone. Jerry Seinfeld said something similar ages back where he always wrote a joke at, at least a day and then crossed it off on his calendar so you're in that permanent flow state. But uh, I feel like as a beginning writer, wouldn't there be some need to keep a bit of a record because you're not always on the uh, main, able to maintain the same output? I would absolutely agree
1: with that. And I think that's not just for beginner writers either. I think even writing down a bad idea or writing down a ton of bad ideas um, can lead to you processing those ideas in a different way. And it gives it you the chance a- to... Ca- Go ahead.
2: I guess it's kind of like having the courage to write off the bad stuff.
1: Absolutely. Not every idea is going to be an automatic success. Um, And some of the ideas that you come up with, you will look back a week later and be like, what the blank was I thinking? And that's okay. That's a perfectly okay thing to do. I think too, though, that understanding when you are ready to write a story is important. You might have an idea and it might not be the best idea, but if you were f- in a different place with your writing, it might um, it might turn into a really good idea. You just might not be ready to write it
0: yet. Yeah I would I would second that. I think even if it's a, a quote unquote bad idea, I say get it on paper and run with it and if, cause you might have those juices flowing and it's you get it on paper and write it. And then it might just stop that. energy might just stop and you're like, I'm not feeling this story right now, just set it off to the side. And who knows, like in six months you might be like, Oh, I want to keep writing that story, but don't feel obligated to don't force the story. I think it, it's stories are so much better when they're natural and you can feel the author's energy that they've put into it. Um, Or it might work in another piece. It might fit into a story, another story, or something like that. I'm definitely a big fan of, Jake, you've seen how many books I'm currently working on. And I think most of them start off as ideas, and then they just kind of build off of that, obviously, like any story. But I always get them and start them, because I work on Google Docs as well, like Matthew does, and I always start a new document and this is the book I want, I kind of just give a brief description so to remind myself, and then I just keep building off of it. And I think there's some validity behind that is don't force it, but it, even if bad idea is still an idea, and it might not be the right time for that story, but it's still a story, and what if in 10 years? that's the great. It's a perfect timing for that story. I, I think there's a number of authors that can be said that, well, this was a bad idea at the time, I think the biggest one that I think of is um, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. When that first came out, it wasn't a good idea. It took them years to create that story. And it wasn't until, I think, 15 years after the movie had come out that it really started to pick up and it really started to get this like cult following. And then it slowly made its way into mainstream. So some stories just need that little bit of that time just to simmer and let society and or
2: its fault its readers catch up to it and like sorry to interrupt but like just i guess to an extent the idea can be done well if it's sort of done with the right um application like do you remember the king's speech it came out about 10 15 years ago yes great oh yeah
0: amazing yeah
2: before that i'd have had a hard time being convinced you could make a great movie about a king receiving elocution lessons Yeah,
0: that one was a that one was a it's it's one of those ones. But I think um, authoring you have a question. If you want to jump in on authorishness, feel free to you're welcome to speak as well. This is an open forum; anybody can talk about whatever they want. So I know you've got your hand up. Yeah, I was
2: gonna say that. um, I was gonna say that Stephen King's first story that he wrote was a bad idea that he crumpled up and threw in the trash and his wife dug out and made him rewrite it and it turned into like and it turned into something that he like got high praise for it's kind of what made him who he is as a writer
1: so if i'm hearing you right authorishness it's going to take more than just one person to write a story i'm totally being sarcastic there obviously it takes uh a village, so to speak, um, to, to write a story, uh, going back to what Brandon was saying earlier about how he writes these ideas down. There's another key important step that Brandon does. And that's where he pitches that idea to other writer friends, to non-writer friends, just to get a feel for the reaction they might have or the emotional tie they might have to a story.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's, I just did that this past week with the story that an idea that I had, I woke up and I don't know how I remembered it at all, but um, that got lucky and that went slowly and I'm actually really excited for that one. But going back to the Stephen King thing, I think if I remember correctly and I could do a quick search, but I rem- I think the one that authorishness is talking about was Carrie He wrote the story, and he didn't like it, so he threw it in the trash. His wife picked it up and said, no, rewrite this. This is a really good story, and that's how it got. So we may not appreciate it as much as an author, but there are people out there that will appreciate that work. So it's definitely one of those, yes, write bad ideas down and work with them a little, work with them. I'm a big pusher for that.
2: Sibelius, the musician, was notorious for putting a lot of stuff on the fire before he... uh... Uh, let anyone else see it. Monet used to, um, Monet when he did his water lilies, he used to trash tons and tons and tons of paintings in the process because the light moved. And and so like people do that, like we have a tendency to be our own worst critic, but, um, so, so like we kind of, it's smart to just put it aside for a moment and then go back and look at it later with a clear head. Well, uh, one of my favorite um, uh, stories is the photographer, Gary Winogrand, who was sort of like working between the 50s and the 80s. He went out every day and he took rolls and rolls and rolls of film, uh, shot, shot every manner of thing you could think of. And he would all put all these in an archive and he wouldn't develop them for at least a year. Uh, partly uh, because he couldn't be bothered um, doing the chemical processing all the time, but also because he liked the idea of being uh, having that disconnection and able to uh, review what he was doing neutrally.
1: I honestly love that, Matthew. Um, I think that as writers, especially writers with goals, and I know that I am notoriously bad at that where i have a goal that's kind of out of my control in a certain way uh Brandon does the same thing and uh, you know i want to have this book done by this date and the problem with that is is that you don't allow time for that writing for that character for all of that to just rest for a minute come back a week two three or months later and kind of relook at that story with fresh eyes, and all of a sudden you'll see something entirely new, and see how to make that story better. And I think that's one thing that a lot of, especially newer authors, uh, kind of get hung up on, is that this is a long, slow process for a lot of people, and that's not true for everyone. Um, but the majority of people that I know, um, in the, in the industry and and who are writers, you know it takes us a while.
0: I mean,
2: it's, yeah, I it's... why go ahead, Matthew. Oh, I just, uh, I think it's, yeah, There's a challenge for that particular medium because like photography, it's easier to sort of uh, set aside, um, the stuff because it, it, the click happens in an instant, uh, words, you're kind of, uh, much more involved in the process for, through the duration. No, I, I,
0: I, agree with you, Matthew. I think, yeah, we're more involved, but I writing to me is a very it's a long term game. It's you have to play the long game on this one. And unlike products that we buy consistently, we'll say cologne or perfumes or toothpaste or what have you um, that you buy every so often, however you need it, you buy one book. So you're only selling one book to one person at a time, and then they have to tell people and so on and so forth. But you have to get them on that hook to buy your book. Um, I didn't mean to make that rhyme. That was weird. Uh, but <laughs> <It must laughs> work, doesn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, uh, So yeah, I think it's it's harder for for authors because again, we're only selling one product or what, how, however many books you have out there at a time, um, and it's it's difficult, and you slowly have to build y- your your different books, you know, different genres or different stories or what have you. And that, that takes time. Like, that takes a lot of time and effort, and it's tiring. Like, it is really tiring to do that.
2: Yeah, it's uh, definitely like I tried to not fall into the trap of uh, uh, thinking the grass was greener in a different time. But I, one thing I do wish uh, that we still had was uh, back until probably the late 70s when uh, there were a lot of magazines that you could publish short stories in and you could just sort of uh, fill a bit of your energy and uh, build up your name that way. Now you're kind of committed to uh, the larger projects just because the, the, those short stories just aren't in, in demand like they used to be. I, I would agree with that. I think it's... And I think... I saw this a
0: video of... Um, I, I tend to... I'm a very visual person, so I reference movies a lot, and I, I, I do... I, there's just a lot of research going on there... And somebody had asked Matt Damon in an interview, why don't they make movies like they used to? I think we can all kind of agree that some of the older movies are great, um, but it doesn't work like that anymore because the the sales has changed, whereas you'd have your your release date of the movie out in theaters, and then six months later you'd sell the VHS or the DVD or what have you. Well, and they would bank on that second set of sales the companies would bank on that second the vhs's or dvs or what have you well now that's gone because it goes now theaters straight to uh streaming so they're 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 being very picky about what am i going to make as a box office hit where can i get my money back at and i think that's harder for us as authors and storytellers in general because that takes out a little bit of well who's going to give us that more creativity and i think with writing and letters and um, magazines and such, that's kind of... They've switched focus to these mainstream, what's going to give us our money? And I think that's hard. That's extremely
2: hard for us. Yeah, well, interesting you're talking about the box office because I was listening to this old interview with William Goldman, who was an author, screenwriter, and he did a lot of things like Princess Bride and Marathon Man, and this interview was like done in 1997 or something. And even before even at sort of the peak of the VHS market, I guess that would have been, uh, he was talking about how uh, up to the 60s, there was less pressure for each individual film to perform to, like, huge levels because it changed greatly when Jaws and Star Wars, so, like, Steven Spielberg almost single-handedly changed the economics of uh, the motion picture industry, and when it suddenly became uh conceivable that you could have this new scale of blockbusters uh obviously studios because like they're they're just like uh, to a certain extent uh, the executive level they're just like oil companies or any other company they're there to get the greatest return for their shareholders and so they became only interested in finding these huge um these huge hits and often they as often happens when you have one massive hit, they waste huge amounts of money trying to uh, fabricate the same result.
1: Absolutely. I think it's uh, sad in a way that everything has to be big or it's not worth it. I think there's so much room in any of the artistic mediums for quiet and simple. And I especially think that about books. I know that these the publishing houses i know that that indie authors that are out there you know you want that next big hit but there's also room for there to be you know that quiet story that doesn't reach as many people but has a great impact
2: in some ways the uh, it's also too easy because you can um publish a lot yourself now and um uh, like for some it might like i understand the uh inefficiencies of the traditional press, but I also feel like I want at least once to have my work validated by external parties and that it's sort of not me going on faith the whole time.
1: Absolutely. Um, Brandon is a, is not a traditionally published author. He's gone the indie route. And um, I think it's a an absolutely marvelous way for certain authors to go if that's the direction that they want to take, neither way is right or wrong. It's just what you feel works best for you and the books that you're writing.
0: I, I think, yeah, I, Oh, for sure. I think that depends. I mean, there's a lot of variables and a lot, in a lot of that. And I think you're right. Publishing companies want the next big, they want the next, uh, franchise they're all everyone's looking for the next franchise everyone wants the next harry potter everyone wants this or that or that but i i think indie or indie authors are paving that way because we get to be creative as an indie author i can do what i want i don't have to do what the industry trends are here's my story i'm gonna promote it it's the story that i don't have to rewrite because oh, this won't sell well i don't care it's a story this is how i envision it and as an author i think that's important to stay to the true to the story that you want because i know in a lot of industries especially cinematic and tv and oh any any entertainment industry it's all fluffed and changed now to where it oh this will sell more why don't that's where i have the advantage as an indie author i don't excuse my language i don't give a shit yeah, I would love for it to be famous and be this big blockbuster, but it's my story and that's how I see it and I'm gonna do what I want. So I think that is where in the future, I foresee they're gonna start paying eventually all these big companies are gonna start looking at, well, we're out of ideas because all we're really seeing now in my opinion is relaunches and remakes and everyone's kind of getting burnt out on how many different ways can you remake the story? No, you can't. You're killing the story. You're ruining the the that whole story right there. So now they're then they're going to start looking at. Well, let's look at the creatives, the creative world, and the indie world, and oh, this one's got a decent following. Maybe we should run with that a little bit. Um, and Jake, if I I,
2: you and I have talked about that a little bit. If go ahead, Matthew. Oh, uh, if I could just ask, uh, with your um reference to basically. Uh, It's your story. You don't give a shit. I'm just wondering with um, uh, how you regard success. Do you regard success as an internal thing, uh, where you completely base it on your own internal opinion, or do you like? Do you ever look at um, what people, what, uh, readers say? Like, do you look into uh, review numbers or ratings or anything? I I think as author, as an
0: indie author, and any author in general. We do look at those reviews. We do look at the ratings. We do look at that. I don't measure those as a success. I measure my success as I've written a book. And I don't give myself enough praise for just doing that. Because a lot of people say they're going to do it and say they want to do it. But they don't. And finishing it is a success on itself. Yeah, I think that's a huge success. And not only that, I've got for this series that I'm working on, it's set to be nine books. And I'm getting ready to uh, to launch the next the next one, which will make it a trilogy. I think to me that's a success, and I have to remind remind myself of that. Every book, or every word, or every as long as I'm growing as an author, those are my successes. I you know I have a a lot of family that bought and a lot of friends that bought my book, and they enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's a pub. Just being saying, I'm a published author is a success in its own. And I think that, I mean, who wouldn't want their, their book to be the next Harry Potter series or, you know, the next big it book. I think we all would want that, but not everyone that's not for everyone. And I, I we just have to remind ourselves of everyone defines success differently. So I,
2: I, for me, I'm successful. I've got two books printed. I, I, I say that, happy. Yeah. Well done. I'm, um... I seem to come in every 10 minutes with another quote or simile but I just uh, I like to always tell myself that story about when the composer Gershwin went to Ravel to be kind of his sort of musical secretary and uh, Ravel was like why be my assistant when you can be a first rate Gershwin
0: right I mean I I think you you see the people in history that have quote-unquote redefine the industry and they didn't do it like everybody else they did it the way they wanted to do it because that's what they felt was right or well i see it differently than you do and i think i use that as an inspiration to say i don't i would like to be represented represented (laughs) represented i clearly need some more coffee or something but it's (laughs) almost eight o'clock at night um Yes, that would be nice, but I'm gonna do what I want to do, and I'm gonna do it how I want to do it, and take it or leave it. That's up to you. So,
1: I I think Brandon brings up a good point that that being an indie author and being able to self publish. Jake, I
0: think you're trying. I feel like you're trying to say something, Jake, but your mic's not on. Is that working? Oh, okay. Well, he went quiet. I don't know why. So, Matthew, what I mean, we're we're pushing our hour here um
2: you said you uh 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 yes uh well um so i kind of forgot what the original point was we were making no worries matthew can you still hear everyone uh yeah i can hear everyone okay perfect
1: um Let me kind of, we'll kind of wrap this up here in the next couple of minutes, but I really want to know, Matthew, what do you think would help you as an author keep moving forward? Like if if somebody, if you had a genie and you had three wishes or one wish or whatever, what is that thing or multiple things that would help you as an author to get to that next step or that next level?
2: Well, obviously uh, one has realistic and unrealistic wishes like i could say that i wish i had an equivalent to virginia woolf who received a small legacy from an aunt that allowed her to live independently uh and that gave her a, to an extent the freedom i try to be grateful for the advantages i have on a daily basis it can be challenging and also working out how to make the best use of my time uh, so that i uh, i do free it up and when i do get free time to try and not uh, waste it too much on uh, just a uh, passive activities like uh, you know um watching uh, too much television or uh, doing uh, uh little activities I, I don't have to and having a bit of discipline although you do need to have uh, some fun in your life like if you want to i don't know hit a bucket of balls at the driving range one evening uh, go and do that you do need your endorphins but uh i think um like we talked at the beginning discipline is is a big part of it uh, and uh, sort of to make the best of time uh, like uh, this is i i may as well uh uh, speak the truth uh, now this, and this was out of no disrespect to our program but uh having a seven month old i obviously my time is short and i admit that uh i part of uh what during our hour when i was talking i was forced to actually do some of the weeding outside because uh, and having my mic turned off just because uh, my son's at with my her my wife's mother's group and basically Uh, we would have uh, an issue with snakes and spiders if I left it uh, much longer so just doing what you have to do uh, when you have the time
1: I love that Matthew and I love that The the, I especially love most of the writers that I talk to the majority of everyone they're people like you they're people with everyday lives and jobs and things that need to get done and writing can't be their entire life and that's the type of person that I would love to have listen to the writer's block and just get that little bit of extra that we can kind of toss out there.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's great that you're multitasking.
2: I love it. Yeah, thanks. Well, everybody only has the same 24 hours in a day, so you just have to make the best use of them.
1: Matthew, do you have uh, critique partners? Have
2: you shown your work to other people? I have... Well, the, it's an interesting uh, challenge looking getting people to look at it because uh, it's not just a question of finding people that are close to you uh, to, to read it, but also are they actually uh, your ideal audience? Because uh, something that uh, gave me an important lesson, I think, on uh, how families uh, and friends uh, can review or not review your work, I'm a big Seinfeld fan. And I was once watching an episode and I was laughing my heart out at uh, what I thought was one of the funniest points in the whole series. But then my wife was sitting next to me and she was like, what are you laughing at? And that just shows how subjective uh, people uh, can be. And so, for example, if, say, you're, you're wanting to write crime fiction or drama, if a person close to you who may love you... Uh, with all their heart and will do anything for you if they don't share the same taste in their private life they may not uh, you don't necessarily need to ignore them but you need to uh, take it with a grain of salt and compare them like with a sort of a peer group of um of fellow audiences that you think can uh, give a a variety of opinions uh, and who may actually in their private life uh, source the sort of work you want to make
1: Absolutely. It's, it's important to get the right people's eyes on your work. Um, Brandon and I, I, at least one of us, one of the two of us, if you, Matthew, would like to send us a snippet of your work or the whole thing, uh, we would be happy to uh, kind of give it a, a look over and give you some feedback and some, some uh, comments and basically beta read for you.
2: Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm, Um. uh I... Uh, of course, you can do the the same for me. Let's do the same with me if you want to share me anything. Uh, like I, Part of why I have still sort of tried to sort, seek out the places that do publish short stories and competitions is just so I can have some miniature snippets and get some feedback that way. But of course, uh, a thank you, but your entry was not for us entry it may not necessarily be the best work. One, because it, that's just a yes or no, and it may be good just not for their publication. And, of course, many people have had hundreds um, rejected before um, they do come out successfully.
1: Absolutely. Um, in these this last minute or so, um, LG or um, authorishness, if you guys want to speak or tell us something, anything that you would like to see in our next episode, we'd love to have some feedback.
0: And there's dead air. We don't want
2: dead air. <laughs> say, I would I would take that as a hint. <laughs> well, uh, it might it might just be a reception as well. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I was glad that we were able to do, do this so well. I have uh, I do my own podcast.
1: Okay. Um, I just want to say that for the next episode, you should try to do like something about playing a series because that's what Brandon does, right? So. I think that should be cool.
0: Oh, that's a good yeah. one. I do like that idea.